What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? This is Sports 360, and I'm Jeff Fennell. And today I'm excited because on Sports 360, we are moving into a, a new realm, a new space, if you will, because joining me as a co-host is Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob has been with us multiple times um, talking about baseball, but uh, we are now um, joining forces as co-hosts of Sports 360, where we'll talk about baseball and other comings and goings in the world of sports. So Rob, man, welcome aboard, man. I'm glad to have you as part of Sports 360. Hey, Jeff, thank you so much, man. Uh, this is definitely an honor, and I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity. Um, I'm ready to get started, man. This is an exciting partnership that we got going on, and I'm, I'm, I'm hyped, man. I'm ready. Yeah, so am I. So am I. Um, you know, I always love talking with you both in terms of, you know, when we've been on the show, but also offline. I mean, we have a lot of good conversations offline about the world of sports, and it just seemed to make sense, right, that we should come together more on the regular to talk about, you know, the things that are going on in the sports world, whether it's baseball or otherwise. And, you know, for our listeners, um, you know, one of the things that we'll be doing is, in addition to, you know, you and I talking about different issues in and around sports, we'll also have guests from time to time. And also from time to time, I may come back with some quick takes in between our broadcasts. But all in all, man, I'm just looking forward to, uh, like you said, man, let's get it going and, and, and just chop it up about what's going on out there in sports. So I, I'm glad to have you on board. Yeah, man. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. This is a, definitely an honor, man. And today, um, I, I think, you know, for this first uh, show together, um, you know, it is baseball off season, right? And so I think it makes some sense to talk about a lot of the things that are going on in baseball. Um, this is the time of year, Rob, where traditionally, right, this is the hot stove. And I kind of joked with you the other day when we were talking about this, I said, you know what? Baseball needs to retire that phrase hot stove because <laughs> I don't recall, you know, maybe last year was a little bit different because we had some really great free agents out there and there was a lot of big deals done. But for the most part, you know, the last five, 10 years or so, the stove has been cold. And so it, I don't think we should call it hot stove anymore. And certainly this year, I think, is more of the same. Now, part of that's the pandemic and perhaps and teams lost money, but um, just generally speaking, before we get into the specifics, what's your take on this year's free agent market in baseball? Uh, it's been so slow, you know, and the thing is, normally, we'll, even if the off seasons are slow, we'll see a lot of rumors and things like that. We haven't even had that this year, which is insane considering, you know, we're in the age of social media. There really hasn't been any chatter about some of the free agents. Yeah, we'll hear here and there about the big free agents, but a lot of the other guys that, you know, may not be, I mean, we kind of touched on this offline. Some of the guys who aren't superstars per se, they're not even connected. You don't hear about them. You don't hear about them on the on TV and radio, whatever it is. You just don't hear about these guys. And it's crazy to me 
that even the rumors have slowed down in this offseason. Yeah, because, you know, coming into this offseason, you know, um, George Springer, Trevor Bauer, uh, you know, JT Realmuto, um, obviously were at the top of the, the list of, of free agents, and rightly so. Um, yeah. But you have other good players like um, Marcel Asuna, who hasn't signed. A um, little bit older, but Yadier Molina is still out there. But a guy who who really, uh, we believe, because um, we talked about this, has really fallen under the radar is a guy like Marcus Simeon of, you know, of the Oakland A's shortstop, who has just, you know, really grown into a great player with great performance year over year. And you don't hear anything about any market for Marcus Simeon. Um, and so... You know, what's your take on that? Like, what, why, why do you think a guy like Marcus Simeon, who is a really good ball player, seems to be an afterthought? That's the biggest mystery, I think, um, in terms of, like, middle infielders with him because we've seen the steady improvement throughout his career. You know, there were question marks about his defense, and he made it a point, and he's come out and said it. He made it a point to improve on that. And, you know, he had MVP caliber seasons over the last, um, in 2019. So it's crazy to see that a guy like, like Marcus Simeon, and I don't really take, you know, his production in 2020 too, too seriously because it was a shortened season, but this guy has made significant improvement over his career. And the fact that nobody has been, like I said, no rumors at all or nothing, he hasn't even been mentioned in like that top tier or maybe even the second tier of free agents out there, it's insane to me, especially a guy like him. You know, he can put up the numbers offensively. Um, like we said, his defense has improved dramatically, and, he's, and he seems to be one of those guys that um, has a positive influence in the clubhouse. And I'm just shocked to see that there is absolutely, at least from what, what we see, absolutely no market for a guy like Marcus Simeon. Yeah, it really is. Um, and so we, you know, it remains to be seen for Simeon and some of these other players that we mentioned. I mean, you know, there are guys out there who have World Series championship pedigrees who are out there, whether it's a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., um, Justin Turner, uh, Jock Peterson. Um, you know, Turner's a little bit older. Uh, Peterson and, and, and Bradley Jr., you know, have some issues, you know, um, Bradley Jr., his stick is a little bit inconsistent. Uh, Peterson, his glove is a little bit inconsistent, right? <laughs> um, so all these players have some issues, but these are players who have helped teams to championships, and they're not finding a home yet either. Um, and as we're talking here, Rob, it's January 24th. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're coming close to, you know, pitchers and catchers, and there are a, a fair number of bona fide major league players who are still out there on the market. Yeah, and even guys like we're talking about shortstop, even guys like Didi Gregorius, who had a, a really good comeback season last year um, after the, the injury season in 2019 with the Yankees, he had a pretty good season last year, and I think he's a solid option, whether it's a stopgap type player or a couple, you know, give him a couple years um, at short. Um, Simmons, too, who's a defensive wizard, maybe one of the best defensive shortstops we've seen in this era. Again, nothing going on with them either. So it's 
crazy to me that you know we're just getting nothing it's so it's such a slow off season yeah and then one other guy that i would i think is worth mentioning here is nelson cruz as a dh and i think nelson cruz actually speaks to a bigger issue and i believe that that issue is whether we will have a universal dh meaning a dh in the national league and you know my view is one of the reasons Nelson Cruz hasn't signed, and he has been phenomenal. He's almost he's he's not quite what David Ortiz was as the designated hitter, but he's he's close. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. you, you know, David Ortiz became like the epitome of what a designated hitter should be after he went from Minnesota to Boston, right? Yeah. Um, and Nelson Cruz is sort of like that. The production is there even though he's 40 years old, you know, he shows no signs of slowing down. But I think he's being affected by whether or not we're going to have a DH in the National League, um, you know, a universal DH. And so, uh, because, you know, if, if, if we do have a universal DH, then his market increases, right? Because now you have potentially 15 teams in the National League who also would be bidding on his services. And so I don't know if it's by design that the DH issue is unresolved. Um, When I say by design, I'm going to be plain that Major League Baseball doesn't want to agree to a universal DH with the (laughs) Players Association because it would increase the market for a guy like Nelson Cruz and other potential DHs out there. I don't know if that's what's going on, but it certainly is part of it. And if I'm Nelson Cruz, I would probably hold out for as long as I could before signing to see if there's going to be a universal DH because, you know, it's it's about supply and demand. If there's more people demanding, you know, services for, for Nelson Cruz, then the price goes up. So he hasn't signed, but I think there's a bigger issue going on there with the, with, the potential of a universal DH. I, I definitely 100% agree with that because, and, and it's not just Nelson Cruz. We have Marcelo Suna too, who's another guy who the yeah. Braves took advantage of having that DH last year. And he put up big, big numbers. And even a guy like Jock Peterson is another guy who can be a great DH um, in either league. So I think it, that's definitely it. I think once, and, and like you said, I think if I'm Nelson Cruz, I do hold out and just wait to see what's going to happen with that DH because his market is very, uh, very limited right now on, in just the AL. So I think, like you said, I, I definitely agree. It's, much, it's a much bigger issue with the guys who, who may not be playing the field as often. Right, right. Well, let's talk about some of the signings that we've had. I mean, you know, Trevor Bauer still out there. Uh, we have mm-hmm. heard rumors here and there about him. Rio Muto, we're hearing some rumors about him. You know, a guy like Brad Hand, who probably could be, you know, a, a, a really useful piece in the bullpen. Some rumors yeah. there. But let's talk about guys who actually signed. And, and and most recently of the of the big bigger names, George Springer, six year, hundred and fifty million dollar deal with Toronto, a team that has some young talent, um, and a team that made the playoffs last year, the expanded playoffs. What do you yeah. think about that signing? I think it was a great signing for Toronto. Um, offensively, they're, they're a team to look at, and they, and they were even before Springer. We saw the kind of numbers they can put up in a hurry. 
uh, last season and even the year before that. You know, guys like Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., um, these are guys who, who are there to hit. And they can hit, you know, they match up with anyone offensively. And I think the addition of Springer, not just, you know, with the offensive production, but also kind of like a veteran presence in that young clubhouse, that's huge, especially because he now gives them um, a leadoff hitter with, with consistency, which is something that I think they needed. Um, and then defensively, he's really good. He can play the center field. He can play both off, um, corner outfield spots as well. But um, I like the move offensively. I like the move for the Blue Jays in general. I still do think they have question marks in the pitching, but I think, you know, I think they're going with the let's try to outscore opponents if we can't get these pitchers signed. So I, I really like the signing for George Springer. I think, you know, the six-year deal is what the market, I guess, called for for him. And he's only 31 years old, which I know technically analytics will tell you he's a little older or too old for a six-year deal. But I think it's perfect for a guy like him who can play center field for, you know, the majority maybe of that six-year deal and then shift over to right or left um, towards the end of that deal. Yeah, and you, and you know, Rob, that George Springer, you know, just a fantastic player. I mean, he's a fantastic yeah. player offensively, defensively right now, as you said. I mean, he can provide some good <clears throat> defense from center field. Um, but also, he has shown over the years in Houston to be a big-time player in the yeah. postseason, right? Um, and so to have a guy like that, you know, and, you know, he, he can hit, he hits leadoff, and yet, you know, he has all that pop in his bat. He has good speed, um, just a really sound player. Um, and as you said, I think that for the majority of this six-year deal, if not all of it, I, I think there's every reason to believe that he will continue to be a very productive player. Um, yeah. And if he is, and that young talent that's around him, as you mentioned, begins to mature, man, Toronto, at least offensively, can, you know, can really be a handful in the oh, American yeah. League. Definitely. And then we see, you know, they made some noise last year making the playoffs, and the Rays kind of declined a little bit, losing some pitching like Snell. He's gone. Who was their ace? So, you know, Toronto can kind of take advantage of that. You know, the Orioles are going to be – they're not going to be in there. The Red Sox are still a huge question mark in my eyes. Um, so really, Toronto's biggest challenge in the East would be the Yankees, obviously. Um, and I do still think the Rays will be there. But I think the Rays and Blue Jays now, they're, they're more even than people think they are, especially with the signing of Springer. And we'll see what else they do. Yeah, and you know, as, as, and you mentioned the Rays and, and, you know, the trading of Blake Snell. And, um, you know, the Rays obviously have been one of the better teams in baseball the last two and a half years, right? The yes. second half of, of 18, they really finished strong. Um, then, then they made the playoffs in 19, you know, winning 96 games. And then obviously was, you know, the second best team in all of Major League Baseball in this 60-game season, advancing to the World Series against the Dodgers. So they've been a very, very good team, but they traded away a big piece. and. Yep. They have been maybe challenged is too hard of a word, but I think last year offensively they were a bit challenged. They they yeah. they weren't a, a you know a juggernaut of an offensive team, um, and so that subtraction of Blake Snell really could be magnified for a team like Tampa, who, who you know doesn't really swing the biggest bat in the AL East. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And and like you said, the loss of Snell, you know, oh, he's a pitcher. What is that going to do for them offensively? Well, that guy can save a few games. You know, he can win you. I mean, he, he won 20 games a couple of years ago. That's 20 games that they may lose, or we'll say 15 games that they may lose, that, or they, that they wouldn't win as a result of losing Snell. And that's huge because that could be the difference between a team like Toronto, you know, jumping ahead of them in the standing and the Rays just completely missing out on the playoffs in general. So that's a huge, huge loss for the Rays, trading away Snell. Um, obviously, we saw the, the drama with, the, with Snell and Cash and all that stuff. So maybe that factored into the fact that Snell wanted out or the organization wanted to move on from Snell or something like that. Um, but I think it's a huge loss for the Rays and a huge gain for the Jays. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, and speaking about the American League East, um, and you mentioned the Yankees, um, and that's your team, right? You you are yes. a, an unapologetic Yankees fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, they they brought back DJ LeMahieu, which I think was something they had to do. But at some yeah. point along the way, DJ was expressing some. Um, you know, some concern is, you know, that the Yankees weren't moving fast enough to bring him back. The Yankees did get it done, but how big was the re-signing uh, of DJ LeMahieu for the Yankees? I think it's definitely something that had to be done, like you said. And if you look at social media, Yankee fans are the worst. <laughs> we are the worst on social <laughs> media because we'll love a guy one day and then say, we don't need him the next day. So it's crazy the amount of, oh, we can let LeMahieu walk and sign X, Y, and Z, and we'll be fine. But I think the Yankees really needed to get LeMahieu signed. Um, obviously, it looks like they just kind of waited for the arbitration period to then see kind of where their budget was going to be. And it's kind of funny talking Yankees and budget. <laughs> but um, I guess they were waiting for that to see what to offer them. But I think they got a great deal, a team-friendly deal for a guy like LeMahieu at just 15 million a year. Um, he was making 12 mil over the first contract he signed with New York. So to get him for an extra three mil, considering the type of player he is and the kind of season he's had for that team and the impact he's had at the top of the lineup. Um, you know, we just talked about George Springer and what he can do for the Jays as a leadoff hitter. LeMahieu is that kind of guy. He, he's, you know, a great player to have. And I remember when they first signed LeMahieu, um, couple years ago a lot of people were like who this is who we kind of went over instead went with instead of Machado and when I saw the LeMahieu signing I was like oh heck yeah this is the guy the Yankees have been missing the last few years um to kind of make that difference in the playoffs the guy who can just hit just a professional hitter so I think the Yankees had to make this deal um similar to the Jays though I still think there are question marks in the pitching and they actually agreed to a deal just a couple, not too long ago, actually, for James, Jamison Tallien of the Pirates, who he's coming back from a second Tommy John surgery, so we'll see what he brings to the table. But I still think the Yankees have question marks uh, in the rotation and in the bullpen as well. So we'll see. But LeMahieu had to get done. That's, that's a no-brainer. And, and you speak about the Yankees' rotation and some of the issues that they have there. Um, you know, um, but you know they they did sign Kluber. You know, we'll see what 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 happens there. But what about yeah. a guy like Tanaka? Do you, do you think the Yankees will bring back Tanaka? I mean, there's been some rumors that he might be headed 
um, to Japan. Um, but I think Tanaka has been a solid, you know, he's not going to be the top of the rotation guy, but they don't need that. They have Garrett Cole to fit yeah. that bill. Um, but what about Tanaka? Um, do you think the Yankees should bring him back? I always thought they should. Maybe a short-term, you know, one deal, one-year deal with an option, a two-year deal kind of thing. Um, I don't know if they are going to bring him back at this point, especially after just acquiring another starter. Uh, but Tanaka has been, you know, when Cashman, when the Yankees signed him originally, Cashman said Tanaka was, you know, don't expect him to be an ace. He's going to be a middle-of-the-rotation guy. And it's exactly what he's been. He's been inconsistent at times, but, you know, with the exception of this past, the, the last year of the playoffs, when it was Tanaka time in the playoffs, you kind of knew what you were getting. He was going to go out there. He was going to grind. He was going to give it his all. And the results were there. He's one of the best pitchers in the postseason, um, like I said, with the exception of this past, uh, this past uh, postseason. So I always wanted them to sign Tanaka back. I thought he would be a great piece to have with the addition of Cole. It kind of takes away the question marks because he's going to be there for the 25 to 30, 32 starts or something like that. Um, so maybe he's one of those pitchers that the Yankees are just kind of waiting, seeing if his price drops or something like that. But um, I don't know. I like Tanaka. It, it would be unfortunate to kind of see him in a different uniform because he's one of those guys that you kind of got attached to the moment he signed and saw the kind of pitcher he was. But it's unfortunate that I, I just don't think the Yankees are actually going to dish out the money and sign the guy like him. Yeah. And he may be one of those guys, too, who you you won't truly appreciate until he's gone because, yeah. you know, Big he's time. you know, he's not, like I said, the top of the rotation guy, but he has he's provided some solid quality um, over yeah. over the years. Um, you know, now we talked about your Yankees um, and people who have listened to this show know that I'm a Mets fan um, and my Metsies have been doing some things as well. I mean, they, you know, they signed Trevor May um, to shore yeah, up or help piece. to shore up the bullpen. Uh, they signed James McCann, um, you know, to, to a four year deal uh, to man the plate and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and so forth. Um, Marcus Stroman accepted the qualifying offer. So they got him back in the fold. Um, and even though it's not a free agent signing, the biggest acquisition by the Mets by far this offseason has been trading for perennial all-star Francisco Lindor, um, who will be a free agent at the end of this year. So, you know, the Mets traded for him with the idea, I'm sure, of signing him to a long-term deal, similar to what the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts last year. Not saying that Lindor will get, you know, the same deal that Betts got, but um, we won't have to throw any benefits for Francisco Lindor if he were to sign a contract. (laughs) Um, But what do you think about what the Mets have done so far? And they may not be done. I mean, they're still linked to Trevor Bauer, and so we'll see what happens there to Brad Hand. Uh, But so far, uh, what do you think about what the Mets, under their new owner, Steve Cohen, have done so far? I think it's great because you want to see, you know, for a long time the Mets are the little brother to the Yankees, but I kind of like when they're when they're evenly matched and they're going at each other and they're actually both good teams. So it's great to see that and I'm and I'm excited for to have Steve Cohen there as an owner because it seems like he really loves the game of baseball 
and he really wants to improve these New York Mets and, you know, bring some light back to Queens and, you know, blow them up and be this, this great franchise in New York. Like, he's really trying to go after the Yankees, and that's great for the game. That's great for baseball. Um, Steve Cohen seems to be an owner who's very in tune with what the fans want and the fans like. He's very active on social media and stuff like that. So I think it's great for the game, and I think the Mets moves of getting Lindor in a trade, and Carlos Carlos Carrasco was also in that deal, who not a lot of people are talking about it, but he's a pretty solid piece in the rotation. So that Mets rotation, you know, with Syndergaard coming back from his injury, that could be a very scary rotation if they're able to, you know, stay healthy and just kind of be strong throughout the season. So, you know, with Lindor there, switch hitting shortstop, defensively he's amazing. Um, I think they're going to end up signing him long-term. I don't think you make that deal without that kind of being on the back burner saying, hey, we're going to sign you long-term. I think just they just have to figure out the numbers. Um, but the moves the Mets have made, and like you said, I don't think they're done. I think it's great for baseball. I think it's great for New York. And it's exciting to see that the Mets are, are actually trying to take New York back from the Yankees. It's awesome to see. Even as a Yankee fan, I'll say that. And, and you know what else, Rob, that's going on here? The, the Mets have to do whatever they can to improve to stay relevant in the NL East, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the Braves have shown that they're legit. You know what I mean? Um, with a young core um, that seems to be getting better. So, yeah. you know, the Braves are there. You know, um, the Phillies, you just never know if they're going to hit their stride with Harper and some of the other players they have over there, but they can't be taken for granted. I think the Nats have fallen off some. You know, we talked about how, you know, even last year, it was an open question about how the Nats were going to respond having lost um, – uh, I'm blanking on his name. I can't believe it. The third baseman. Uh, uh, Rendon. Rendon. Yeah. How, how they lost Rendon. Um, you know, and so, and, you know, Scherz is getting a little older. And so you wonder about his yeah. effectiveness and so forth. Um, the Marlins, look, th- they made the postseason in a 60 game season. Um, yeah. I'm not going to read too much into that, but, you know, they could also be showing some signs of improvement. But certainly, I think with the Phillies and, and, and more importantly, um, with, with the Braves, the Mets have to look to get better. And then, as you said, you know, you're here in New York. Um, you know, the Yankees have always been the, the team that has stolen the headlines. And I say that in a good way because they deserved it. They've played better. Um, but Steve Cohn has come in and I like him too. I like he, he brings a little swag with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, you kind of like that uh, if you're a Mets fan. And if and even if you're just a baseball fan, because I think if the Mets are relevant, then the then baseball as a whole is better. You know what I mean? Where oh, you can definitely. Have, you know, you know, the Mets and the Yankees out there competing and, you know, having October baseball in New York is is always been special. And hopefully that'll happen, you know, both in the Bronx and in Queens this year. So we'll see. Yeah, that'll be great to have New York rocking like that with, you know, games in Queens and the Bronx. That'll be awesome in October. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. So it's it's been an interesting offseason, even though, as you said, Still slow, still slow, um, not quite hot stove, you know, in any sense of the word, but 
there have been some moves, uh, some intriguing moves, and there's still some big pieces that that have to fall into place. And so we'll see how that goes. Um, but if we can transition and segue for for a second um, away from free agency, um, you know, again, as we're recording this on Sunday, uh, January 24, a couple of days ago, right, the baseball world was rocked yet again with the death of one of the all-time greats. And here you're really talking one of the all-time greats mm-hmm. in Hank Aaron, right? Um, and the list of Hall of Fame baseball players that have passed away in the past six to eight months is just really remarkable um, when you think about the players. Seaver, Gibson, Lou Brock, Joe Morgan, Al Kaline. I mean, you know, Phil Negro. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Tommy Lasorda passed away uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but Hank Aaron uh, passing away um, at the age of 86. What are your thoughts about Hank Aaron and his place in the game and, and you know, hearing the news of his passing? It was definitely a big shock um, just to see the notification just kind of jump up on my phone. I was like, oh, crap, Hank Aaron. Because um, we didn't hear anything about him being sick and or anything like that in the recent days. Um, so it was definitely a shock to see that news pop up. Um, as far as his place in baseball, the guy is an absolute legend. And we use that word legend a lot when it comes to some great players. But Hank Aaron was a legend. Like, we're talking about Mount Rushmore type baseball player. <clears throat> and, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people, when you say Hank Aaron, they only think about the home run record. Mm-hmm. And that was huge, obviously super significant, especially when he played at the time he played, he had to deal with a lot of the racism and the injustices and all that stuff. Um, so for him, you know, a black man to break the home run record from Babe Ruth's home run record was a huge deal. And, but there was so much more to Hank Aaron than just the home runs. The dude was an absolute all-around five-tool baseball player. Um, he could run. He could field. He could steal bases. He could hit um, over 300 average, over 3,700 hits in his career. Um, I saw a stat today that he had more hits as a Brave than, uh, than Pete Rose had as a, as a Red, which mm. is insane. That's crazy to me. Um, so Hank Aaron, the baseball player, an absolute legend, um, definitely, like I said, one of the Mount Rushmores of in baseball history, and I think he will always cement ha- have that place in history. I don't think anybody's going to overcome or surpass what he's been able to do in the game of baseball. Um, and just as a guy, you know, you see these interviews and things like that after his passing. The, the speak of the, you know, the way they speak of his character. Mm-hmm. makes him seem like so much more, you know, he's so much more than just this legendary baseball player. He was in a, it seems like he was just a great guy, um, a real ambassador of the game, a real ambassador of just life. And what he meant and signified to so many people was absolutely amazing. And it's, it, you know, it's huge, the impact that he's had in, on so many lives and on so many players coming up. So um, it's a huge loss for the baseball world um, and a huge loss for humanity, honestly. Right. And, and, and you, and you said that really well. I mean, it's, it's the baseball, but it's so much more than baseball. 
um, you know, for me, Hank Aaron um, was baseball. You know, um, yeah. you know, growing up as a kid, um, I played baseball with my friends, and and uh, we loved baseball. We played baseball and and all kinds of other games related to baseball, stickball, and so forth. And but Hank Aaron was was one of the guys. And you know, one of the things I will remember, as you said, he was much more than the home runs, but. For me, Hank Aaron will always be the home run king. And I know Barry Bonds has passed him. Um, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Barry Bonds, but I think, you know, people, I'm not alone in the thought of always thinking of Hank Aaron as the home run king of baseball. And I remember when Hank Aaron, I remember two things about Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record of 714. One, I remember that he ended the season, the prior season, like at 713, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think and, so, yeah. And I remember being concerned. Now, I'm, you know, when Hank Aaron broke the record, I was 11 years old. So, you know, the season before, I'm 10, and he doesn't break the record. And I'm concerned if, whether or not he's going to get a chance to break the record because it was known at the time about the death threats. And, yeah. and, you know, the intimidation that he was living with. And so that offseason was a long offseason, right? You know, yeah. if you were rooting for Aaron to break the home run record. And then I remember watching the game when he did break the record. And, and Rob, there are two things, well, three things that stand out for me. One, obviously, he broke the record, you know, when he hit that home run against the Dodgers, right? So that obviously stands out. And I was watching the game. So, you know, again, I'm a young, I'm 11 years old, but I'm a baseball fan. I'm watching that. I watched the game. So one, him breaking the record was just phenomenal. But the other thing I remember about that game was as he was rounding the bases, how that guy came out of the stands and was patting yeah, yeah. him on the back. And just thinking about how dangerous that was, yeah. <laughs> considering all of the threats and so forth. Yeah that 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 Hank and his family had been getting. So I remember that. But then here's the other thing that I remember. And this is the it's sort of the smallest of them all, but I'm just being honest. I remember when he hit the home run, and I'm a kid and I've been rooting for him for all this time to pass Babe Ruth, waited the whole summer for him to pass Babe Ruth. And if you go back and watch the tape, that ball was out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he hit that ball out the park. It was a, it wasn't, it wasn't no fence scraper, right? Yeah. But what I remember about that is that Bill Buckner, who was playing left field for the Dodgers, jumped up on the fence as if somehow he was going to catch a ball that was clearly out, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, what's he doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> and to me, it was like false hustle kind of thing. Yeah, but it was also he was trying, like he was trying his best to keep Aaron from breaking the record. Now I'm a kid, and through the lens of a kid, I looked at that and I said, "Who's that guy?" And when I found <laughs> out it was Bill Buckner, I'm telling you, Rob, I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm not saying this is right. It's just honest. From that day forward, I didn't like Bill Buckner. And when you fast forward to 1986, <laughs> and the Mets. <laughs> playing the Red Sox in the World Series and the ball goes through Buckner's legs, 
my response was, that's what you get because <laughs> you shouldn't have been trying to stop Hank Aaron from getting the 715. Now, I'm not saying that makes any sense. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not even saying it's not a sign of something's wrong with me, but I'm just trying to tell you. That was one of the things that I've, I took away from Hank Aaron's 715. Now, I've come to appreciate Bill Buckner. Bill Buckner was a great player too, but I'm going to yeah. tell you, from that day right there when he did that, nah, Bill Buckner was not my guy. I got to watch that highlight again now and just notice that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he jumped up oh, on the thing. And it was like, it wasn't, it was, he was no good. He was no way he was going to catch that ball. And I'm thinking he trying to he trying to rain on on Hank's parade. So from that yeah. day forward, man, I, I I didn't appreciate Bill Buckner. Um, but uh, that that's more of a little aside. But um, yeah, but <laughs> Hank Aaron was the guy, man. Um, you know, as a young guy, you know, young kid, uh, young African American kid playing baseball, Hank, man. And as you said, he was so much more than the home runs. And then the last thing I will say is. And you said this well, it was the dignity and, and the grace in which he carried himself all the time, all the yeah. time. I mean, Hank Aaron, to me, he almost carried himself with, it, it was almost like an air of nobility about him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and as you said, just a great ambassador for the game of baseball, a great inspiration. And his impact transcended baseball and transcended sports because not only yep. other athletes and other sports but you have people in politics and other walks of life who were inspired and continue to be inspired by hank aaron i mean you're talking about just a giant of a baseball player and a giant of a man and um you know yep. it's uh you know it's a sad day you know uh, uh and baseball is going to miss hank aaron but man we were blessed to have Hank Aaron. I think that's one of the things I want to hold on to. You know what I mean? Sometimes we get so sad, of course, yeah. you know, but at the same time, I want to just appreciate the blessing that was and, and will continue to be Hank Aaron, uh, one of the greats in the game for sure. Yeah. So Definitely. anyway, man. Um, well, listen, brother, uh, it's been great, man, talking with you today as we talk a little baseball. Um, I'm looking forward to it, though. You and I just coming together on a regular basis, talking baseball, talking basketball. There's some NFL football today, um, Championship Sunday, right? And so that's right. Uh, there's a lot of things going on out there, man. And um, I look forward to the opportunity as we, you know, move ahead to discussing all of this with you so i'm excited about that and grateful man to have you on today yeah this is awesome man i'm i'm really looking forward to what we have going on so am i so am i so are you you know uh for all the listeners out there um you know continue to tune in as as rob and i continue to co-host sports 360 and examining all of the issues, the people, the personalities, the controversies, all the good things in and around the world of sports. So looking forward to it. Uh, so Rob, we'll, um, we'll reconnect soon. Uh, we'll probably be back here in two weeks. That's going to be the plan, you know, every other week. But, you know, um, that's subject to change based on how things unfold in the world of sports. So looking forward to it, man. Um, so... Good conversation today, and I'm sure there'll be many more to come.
Sounds like a plan, man. Looking forward to it. All right, brother. Well, listen, enjoy the rest of the of your weekend, and um, we'll be back here real soon with another edition of Sports 360.